It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine, Jake Lisko. Going to join me as well. It's a crossover Thursday, so we'll end the show with Kevin Ostriker of Locked On Ravens and get the scoop on the AFC North arrival. But we have a lot of injuries to get to on today's show, whether it's Geno Atkins or Lamar Jackson. (gasps) Yeah, Lamar Jackson missed practice on Wednesday. So we'll get you up to date on all of the Bengals injuries, which include Jonah Williams. We'll discuss those, and Jake and I will break down this Ravens game, or we'll start to at least, because there's a, a lot of challenges that come with playing the Baltimore Ravens. Before we do that, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It doesn't matter if it's Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. It doesn't matter. Subscribe there because this is the only Daily Bengals podcast out there. So if you're looking for daily content to keep you up to date and stay informed about your favorite team, This is the easiest way to do it. So if you're new, what up? Welcome in. If you've been here, thank you for the support. And let's dive in with the good news about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon takes home some hardware and the Bengals hope to get some guys back this week. This is your Locked on Bengals lead story. I'm James Erpine along with Jake Lisko. Jake, Joe Mixon got a, a ton of awards this week for his 181 yards from scrimmage, three touchdown performance against the Jaguars. He got a Wilson Game Ball of the Week. He was named AFC Offensive Player of the Week and also the FedEx Ground Award winner for Week 4. Three awards for number 28. He had a great game. He was very productive. Anytime you score three touchdowns in the game and and you score all your team's touchdowns in a game, I think you have a pretty good chance at winning some awards. So nice to see that Joe Mixon get some recognition this year. Great for the Bengals to to get this guy some awards, given the money that they've allocated to the position. Great to see them get him involved in the passing game. So a lot of nice things for Joe Mixon. Hopefully something to build on in the running game and hopefully a trend in the passing game where Joe Mixon, we mentioned on the podcast, I think, dramatically outsnapped Giovanni Bernard in routes run against Jacksonville. Can they play Jacksonville again this week and not Baltimore? I, can we at least play against the, the Jacksonville defense again? That I would take that one. <laughs> I, I, you will, I would take Gardner Minshew over Lamar Jackson, oh, yeah. too, as far but, as let, let's, but yes, let's, <laughs> let's challenge them a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, speaking of, of challenging, the Bengals are hoping to have a few more guys on defense to challenge Lamar Jackson this week. Wednesday's practice, Geno Atkins limited again with the shoulder, I don't know, Jake. To me, this feels like the week. Like Whether or not he plays, 
uh, you know, he's to me, he's almost got to be active unless he has some kind of setback or something in practice. Back to back weeks of limited participation. You got to think if he was limited Wednesday, he's going to be, you know, partaking in practice Thursday, Friday. Zach Taylor said that he was going to do at least individual drills on Wednesday. This feels like a make or break week. I don't know why, but it feels like just a huge week for Gino. It's just uh, he was limited all of last week kind of week. And if he's limited all of this week and he doesn't go again, it's just like, what's going on? How do we not have this figured out? It's going to be week five at that point. This has been going on since a week before the regular season started. If they knew that it was going to be a long-term thing, they would have put him on the IR because it's only three weeks. They clearly never knew that this was going to be a long-term thing. So there are reasons to expect him to be back. I, from the very start of the season, thought that he would be back sooner than later because of the way that they approached building the roster, the fact that they didn't put him on IR. I'm looking for him to be a full participant in practice this week before I make any proclamations about expecting him to be back just because last week I thought he'd be playing. He was limited all week. I thought that would be enough. Let's see him get that bump up to full tomorrow or Friday and feel a little bit better about it. Joining him, though, is limited participants in practice today. Mackenzie Alexander, who had the hamstring. Darius Phillips, not injury-related. Jonah Williams showing up with a shoulder injury. And Logan Wilson making his way back from that concussion. It would be good news if you could get Logan Wilson back, get some speed out there. Obviously, Mackenzie Alexander, a big part of what they do specifically as a tackler. Talk about this Baltimore offense. You're going to have to tackle. So getting those guys back would be huge. Uh, The Jonah Williams thing I don't want to freak out about. I don't think it's anything serious, but it's certainly something worth monitoring. He talks on Monday. Usually when players talk, knock on wood, that means that they're, you know, it's not too serious but certainly something to monitor as we get closer to, to Sunday's matchup. Speaking of of that, the Ravens had a, a ton of injuries on Wednesday, a bunch of guys that didn't practice for one reason or another. I'll just go down the list. Uh, Marcus Peters didn't practice. Jimmy Smith didn't practice. Uh, Calais Campbell was just resting, but he didn't practice. Nick Boyle didn't practice. But the key here and the one that stands out, Jake, is Lamar Jackson, who suffered a knee injury against Washington in, in Sunday's win. But – this isn't apparently that serious, according to Adam Schefter. It was just precautionary that he wasn't out there. But he didn't practice at all. Not limited, nothing. So that Thursday injury report is going to tell us a lot when it comes to Lamar Jackson. I don't think it's serious, but certainly something I'll be paying attention to on Thursday. Yeah, I almost expect him to just be a full go on Thursday. But if he's not, then absolutely worth keeping an eye on. Good news for the Ravens was that Ronnie Stanley was a limited participant in practice. Marquise Brown, another guy showing up on this injury report. Seems like all last year he was limited with a (laughs) knee injury and he's back to being limited with a knee injury. He ended up playing anyway, playing really well for a lot of last season and really that's the speed threat. So that's another one worth monitoring on the perimeter for the Ravens as we head into this week five matchup in Baltimore. You know, James, one guy that's going to have something to say about Marquise Brown, whether or not he's healthy, Jesse Bates, the best safety in the NFL, at least according to PFF, who put him on their all-pro team for the first quarter. Just one day after we said, extend Jesse Bates. That's a little pat on the back for us, a pat on the back for Jesse Bates and the Bengals because he's just having a stellar season. Just wanted to point out just another accolade for a Bengal. We started with Joe Mixon, finish up the first segment here with Jesse Bates. Coming up next, it is Baltimore week. We have to start thinking about Baltimore week. 
I fully expect Lamar Jackson to play, so we're going to get into our initial thoughts headed into this division rivalry game on Sunday. The weather starting to get a little chillier. Fall is officially here. Regardless of where you're living, if it's warm or cold, you got to take care of your car. And the best way to do that is with Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for more than two decades. They have car parts and body parts for your vehicle for over 300 different car manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. I've used it. You should too. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, they're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us in our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. The first time the Bengals played the Baltimore Ravens last year ends up as a one-score game. And like many, I think, of the one-score games in the Zach Taylor era, it was kind of a backdoor one-score game. They scored a touchdown with a minute 28 left in the game, and, and that was it. The final score was 23 to 17 as Baltimore was leading the game with three minutes and 46 seconds left, 23 to 10. So it looks a little bit closer on paper than it was. The win probability chart heavily in Baltimore's favor for most of the game. The Bengals offense had a hard time really getting a lot going. They they started the game with a kickoff return for a touchdown. They were 0-5 going into the game, I think, and they, they end up losing the game anyway. And it was funny because I, I, at the time, I think it was Jay Morrison looked at the stats, how many games that started with a kickoff return for a touchdown led to a victory for that team. And it was a very high percentage. And the Bengals, of <laughs> course, turned that on its head. But the the one similarity between the Baltimore Ravens now and the Baltimore Ravens then, because after this point last year, the Ravens really went on a roll for the rest of the year. And, and Lamar Jackson really got going. In this game, he had 19 carries for 152 yards which is uh, a lot. And the, the thing that's the same is that the defense for Baltimore was struggling a little bit at the beginning of last year. They were sort of starting to turn it around by this point. And, and again, this year, the Baltimore defense has not come together. Really, the only player really playing really well is Marlon Humphrey. And they have issues elsewhere. And they're not creating pressure, just like last time they played early in the year. And instead of instead of uh, week six, it's it's week five this year, and the Ravens are going to have to blitz a lot. The thing about blitzing this year is that Joe Burrow is fantastic against the blitz, James. And if and if they try to do what Joe Burrow said they're going to try to do in his press conference today, he said they're going to blitz me a lot. They're going to play a lot of man and see if I can handle it. They might get punished. Joe Burrow's been blitzed on 42 of his 203 dropbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, and that's his highest graded split. 
He has an 86.7 offense grade when he's blitzed. So bring on the blitz, Baltimore. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Wow, Jake. I, see, I'm not going to say that because I, I, I don't know. It's Baltimore. Like, they're going to. I, I get it. Look, I get it. The, the, you look at this this defense, and the names aren't as great as they used to be. I guess from a you know for, for at least to a degree, Earl Thomas no longer there. But this is still a, a matchup to me where I I look at it and I, I wonder if Joe Burrow is going to have not a welcome to the NFL moment because I don't think he's really going to be overwhelmed in any matchup. But if this is going to be one of his so-so games, like I I, I do worry about that because. You mentioned Marlon Humphrey. I think he's certainly capable of holding Tyler Boyd in check. And if that's the case, I don't expect the Bengals' offensive line to open up a bunch of holes for Joe Mixon on the ground game. Who's getting open? And, and that's what I want to know. You know, and, and you, you, here's the, the counterargument to that. Well, Joe Burrow can move. He's good at diagnosing the blitz, like you said, and he's going to be able to give himself enough time for those receivers to, to get open downfield at some point. And we'll, we'll see if that's the case. But uh, – I certainly don't want don't want to say bring it on. I'm not there from a confidence standpoint. It's funny. It feels like we just switched roles where I went from optimistic to pessimistic in about 35 seconds as you were going through that little, uh, you know, running off those stats and stuff. But uh, I, I'm a little more leery of this this Baltimore defense. I, I don't think that the Baltimore defense is, is bad. I, I think that they will likely round into form. And I just don't know if it's going to be this week or next week or in two weeks or I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen, but but you're right. I mean, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, really good corners. Losing Earl Thomas does matter a little bit more than than I thought it it did when he originally left. Chuck Clark is a good safety. Jimmy Smith has been okay at safety for for the Ravens, but just like last year, their front four isn't getting pressure on their own. So in order for their defense to work, they they need to blitz because they need to get pressure from someone. Their their highest graded pass rusher from PFF is Patrick Queen, who's rushed a passer 16 times this year. So very limited sample size, obviously. But uh, I, I talked about this to you off the air yesterday. That the top guy they have that's consistently rushing the passer is Jalen Ferguson. And and you know you can talk a little bit about Pernell McPhee. You can talk a little bit about Matthew Judon, and and they are good players, but they're not world beaters. This isn't like a defensive line that the Bengals have have struggled with in the first three weeks of the season in particular. There's none of those guys on this team. So in that sense, it's a different challenge for Joe Burrow. You make a good point. The receivers have to get open. And and this week, especially if he's right and they play a lot more man than he's used to seeing, well, that that means that the receivers have to get open. Or if, if Baltimore really is playing a lot of man, that, that opens up running lanes, too, for Joe Burrow, like you said. But I, I'm not saying bring on, like, the Ravens because I'm very afraid <laughs> of Lamar Jackson and, and Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. I think those guys are all bad matchups for the Bengals. But I'm, I'm not really afraid of their blitz with, with Joe Burrow because, yeah, maybe Marlon Humphrey takes away Tyler Boyd. And, and maybe A.J. Green isn't A.J. Green anymore. Or maybe he is. Maybe this is the week he balls out because it's Baltimore. And, and they, mm-hmm. he seems to like doing that against Baltimore. But I just have so much confidence in Joe Burrow's ability to find the right guy to throw to that if they do bring extra pressure, I just, I just have confidence that he's going to handle it. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has a rookie moment this week. But so far, he's given every indication that he's just going to keep getting better. And the Bengals are 7-4. and four against the Ravens when A.J. Green plays. He's put up huge numbers against them, averaging almost 17 yards per catch. 
in games against Baltimore. And we remember, you know, the three touchdown performance in 2018, one of the last great A.J. Green moments, you know, until he, he basically went down with a bunch of injuries for the past two seasons. And uh, and then 2015 as well, how great he played uh, when he went toe to toe with Steve Smith. Remember that? I was so annoyed that Steve Smith, his old ass, was scoring yeah. as much as he was. And he made Pac-Man Jones is super strong, super strong. And he he stiff armed Pac-Man Jones into the you know into the ground so hard that so anyway random Ravens memory but uh, yeah that um, that would be nice to see AJ Green get loose and w- one thing I will say and it's just a note and I know a lot of you have asked about it and it's going to be funny because John Ross guy's mentioning this but uh, I did ask Zach Taylor about John Ross and he said all the right things said John's handling being inactive but and it, maybe it's just a vibe but i am not optimistic that he's going to be active this week and i know there are some that are asking about it but it just it doesn't feel like that'll be the case there's always a lot to talk about in ravens week james from aj green to joe burrow to lamar jackson to oh geno atkins if he plays this week doesn't have to deal with marshall yonda anymore i know you talked about that with kevin ostriker from the locked on ravens podcast and we've got that coming up next james i've been starting my work days lately with a 3 hour meeting every day this week and that is a lot to get through in the morning you know what's getting me through it you know what's powering me through that wall built go it's not an energy drink the energy isn't fake it's got protein it's got natural energy it's got a little bit of caffeine less than a cup of coffee and it's really been getting me through the mornings and there's been no crash for me and much like built bars built go has three amazing flavors they taste great from peanut butter honey chocolate coconut my personal favorite chocolate mint it combines energy gel with collagen protein the protein is fast absorbing so it gets into my system fast easy on the stomach as well plus plenty of vitamins b6 b12 10,000% of your daily percentage it helps your joints, soft tissue, hair, skin, and teeth. Check them out right now. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 30% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling on a crossover Thursday with a look at this AFC North matchup. It's Bengals, it's Ravens in Baltimore this Sunday. The Ravens, last I saw, 13 and a half to 14 point favorites, depending on where you're looking. And, and for more on the Ravens and, uh, you know, one of the best rosters in the league, Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens is with us and Kevin, let's uh, let's dive into this team. I, I love Lamar Jackson. I don't hide it. I I thought the Bengals were you know, idiots or made a mistake when they drafted Billy Price instead of Lamar Jackson back in the, the day, and certainly that's proved to be true. But, you know, they've moved on in the quarterback department. But I, I do want to ask you about Lamar Jackson because you, you see the Kansas City game, and, you know, he talks about how they're his kryptonite and they're the Ravens' kryptonite. And I look at him, and I, I do think that the the big play, the downfield pass, based on what I've seen at least, is, is lacking this season. And I think that could be 
really the difference between this Ravens team being able to catch up and play in those games with the Chiefs and you know other teams that are going to get off to good starts and get out, you know get off to good leads against them and not. So where is this offense and where is this passing game specifically? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, James. If there was one thing that Lamar Jackson knew he had to improve on in the offseason, it, w- it was definitely the deep ball accuracy. It was something he kind of lacked throughout his first two years in the league. And we've seen some good and we've seen some not so good, specifically against Washington last week. We saw him miss a wide open Marquise Brown on a play where he burned his defender. We saw that again the next play where he missed Miles Boykin, who had burned his defender. And even if, if you were watching the primetime game for whoever was watching that against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football, he missed again a wide open Marquise Brown where he burned his defender. And then Marquise Brown did it again later in the game, and actually he underthrew him. So the Ravens, if they're hitting on all cylinders, if Lamar Jackson is hitting those deep balls this Ravens offense I mean it skyrockets in efficiency and in terms of Lamar Jackson and his stats this year yes right now the Ravens they rank 31st in the NFL in passing yards now I don't think passing yards are indicative of you know how successful an offense is but even with being 31st in passing Baltimore is still outscoring their opponents by 12.25 points and that's even with the Kansas City loss factored in there So Baltimore is more efficient, and I think a lot of people expected Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense to have a a downtick in efficiency, and not necessarily total offensive efficiency, but but stat efficiency. Nobody expected Lamar Jackson to put up 36 touchdowns through the air again. I mean, it was just a historical season. He had 43 total touchdowns, and it was an amazing year, but what I expected from this offense was to be more efficient as a unit, to go down the field, score the football, score six, and that's what they They've been doing. They've been outscoring opponents. They've been beating teams when they're supposed to. The offense as a whole, the run game isn't there yet. The offensive line suffered that loss of Marshall Yonder retiring. So they've inserted Tyree Phillips, who's a rookie right guard, and there are going to be some glaring holes there, especially when a rookie's inserted there into an offensive line hole that was previously occupied by a Hall of Famer. So as a whole, the offense hasn't been as flashy. There haven't been as many big plays, but they're still getting the job done. They're moving the ball down the field. Lamar Jackson, in his press conference yesterday, said that he's not happy with how the passing game looks right now. He says he's left plays out on the field, and to an extent, I agree. But, I mean, overall, the Ravens offense, the main point is just to get a win, and they're doing that. They're going one and know every week they can, and that doesn't necessarily mean blow teams out by 30 points every week. It just means getting a win. Is this offense missing a piece? Because I, I look at them and I think Lamar is amazing and I see the running back really trio that they have. People forget about Gus Edwards, but I think he led the team in carries last week. Certainly very much in the mix as far as getting touches on the ground. And, you know, I look at the wide receivers and we know about Mark Edwards, by the way, but we look at these or Mark Andrews, excuse me. We look at these wide receivers And outside of Marquise Brown, I'm not overwhelmed by anyone. And this is coming from a University of Cincinnati alum who knows Chris Moore very well. You know, I like Devin DuVernay in the draft, you know. But to me, when I look at some of these teams, mainly the Chiefs and, you know, all the some of these other high powered, high scoring teams, the Cowboys score a ton of points. Not that the Ravens aren't way better than the Cowboys. But I think if there's one weakness on offense, it would be wide receiver. Is that fair? Is that foul? I I think it's fair if you're looking on the offense, definitely. I I think overall, from a team perspective, pass rusher is a bigger need. But on the offensive side of the ball, I I definitely agree, James. I think that 
With Baltimore, yes, you know Marquise Brown and you know Mark Andrews, but who's going to be that third guy to take the strain off of those two when, let's say, they're going to double Mark Andrews across the middle or they're going to put a safety over top of Marquise Brown deep? Who's that guy who's going to step up? Well, if you're looking at it, Willie Sneed right now is the third leading receiver on the Ravens with 117 yards, followed up closely by Miles Boykin with 111. People expected a huge, a huge year two jump from Miles Boykin. And I honestly think it's a little bit of him not running routes extremely well. And also the Ravens aren't using him in the way that I think a lot of people would like to see. They're having him run a bunch of out routes and a bunch of seams, but he could be used on crossers, on slants. He's really good at that. And he's also a great blocker. And that's where the Ravens value, you know, not just the catching ability of receivers. It's all right. You can block in our run game. And they, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, they do that well. Now, does the Ravens offense need another weapon? I mean, I would say yes. We don't know what Devin Duvernay can do from an offensive perspective yet. He's shown flashes. I mean, everybody saw that kick return touchdown he had against the Chiefs. He's going to be a big piece, I think. I also think James Prochet is somebody who the Ravens can count on. But that's a more down-the-line thing. There was no preseason. There was little offseason. The Ravens don't usually trust rookies in big game situations. And I think that trust goes even in further down when there's no preseason to prove yourself. So what do the Ravens do? Do they go out and acquire a Julio Jones, who's always injured? Do they go and try for Calvin Ridley? I don't know how that would work. I doubt it would. Do they go out and sign somebody like Muhammad Sanu? Is, is he better than what the Ravens have on the roster right now? The receiver options on the trade market, on free agent market, it's slim pickings right now. So I think Baltimore, they trust the continuity. They like their guys. And while they might need another weapon, I agree. I don't know if they're actually going to go out and make that move. You know, a lot of people are thinking Antonio Brown, as you were saying that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to throw I mean, even throw that out there because I think you'll probably shoot it down. Uh, but obviously he worked out with Lamar Jackson this offseason. So that's that's a natural one that I think people will mention. Anytime the Ravens are brought up, even, you know, the Buccaneers or Seattle Seahawks, it just feels natural, you know, to bring up Brown. But <laughs> anyways, uh, let's switch gears. Let, let's look at the defense. And I know a lot of Bengals fans shudder, even though the pass rush in Baltimore, especially even last year, you know, it was not great. You go out and you get Calais Campbell. You hope that that helps so far. I don't know if it has um, just looking at, at some of the metrics and things like that. How have they been? from a pass rush standpoint. And do you, do you get the feeling that this defense is licking its chops, looking at a, a Bengals offensive line? Let, let's be honest. The whole league knows that it's below average. Yeah, I certainly think they are, James. And and part of the reason is because, as you mentioned, this unit has not been spectacular from a pass rush perspective. Baltimore went out and, as you mentioned, acquired Calais Campbell from the Jaguars. They bring in Derek Wolf. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Baltimore has not been a big sack team this year. Their leading sacks, their leading sack guys right now are Tyus Bowser and Matthew Judon, who both have two. Matthew Judon got those two sacks against Washington, and one of them was completely unblocked. He completely disappeared in the Kansas City game. He's a big pressure guy, not necessarily a big sack guy. And that's what this whole team has been, to be honest, this year. Get a lot of pressure on the quarterback but they just can't finish those plays. And I think a big part of Joe Burrow's game that people don't understand is that he's actually a pretty mobile guy. He has the athleticism to get out of the pocket, to force defenders to miss. There, there were plays against the Texans where there was, for example, Jihad Ward got to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson just stiff-armed him into the ground and continued the play. The Ravens have not been able to wrap up quarterbacks. They've had trouble with it. Joe Burrow is somebody who you look at and you say, 
oh, you know, the Ravens will get pressure on him fast because the offensive line isn't good. Well, just getting pressure, you're not necessarily bringing him down when you get the pressure. So the Ravens are going to be relying on Judon and Bowser and Jalen Ferguson, who's another outside linebacker who did get a sack last week against Dwayne Haskins. They have to force pressure from the inside as well, though. Again, mentioning Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams moving back to the nose tackle position. It's going to be a big week for this Ravens pass rush. If they don't get the necessary pressure and the necessary sack numbers against Joe Burrow, I could see big changes coming. And let's stick with the defense and just a couple observations because we all know how good Marlon Humphrey is. And I would expect to see him on Tyler Boyd a lot, you know, considering Boyd lines up in the slot primarily. But I look at this secondary and even though you guys moved on from, you know, one of the top safeties, of the past eight years or so in Earl Thomas, I look at the secondary and it's still scary to me. I, you know, I think about, you know, Joe Burrow having to deal with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and um, just a, a bunch of guys that are going to hit, they're going to cover and they're, they're going to play physical and, and, and play at a high level. And then when you, uh, you drafted Patrick queen in the off season or in the, uh, in the draft, I was like, there's a guy that the Bengals were targeting potentially uh, at the start of that second round, if he fell, and uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people just say, like, of course, he ends up in Baltimore. It's a perfect, perfect fit there. So what about the second and third levels of this defense? And are they still as good as, as to me, they look? Yeah, the secondary starting off there is phenomenal. And I think part of the reason why the stats might not show that right now for the secondary is, again, because of that pass rush. There are times mm-hmm. when the pass rush gets pressure on the quarterback and forces bad throws. But there are just stretches of games where the pass rush is just stonewalled. And in the NFL, if you give quarterbacks, no matter who it is, three, four, five seconds in the pocket, they're going to find somebody open. Secondaries just cannot cover for that long. But Marlon Humphrey was rewarded with an extension last week, making him the second highest paid corner in the NFL and, and rewarded the Ravens against Washington with a forced fumble. I mean, he is fruit punch Humphrey, someone who will go for the ball Every single time there is a completion on him or every single time he is near the ball, ball carriers have to protect that thing or else he will use his pure strength and just punch that thing out. But the underrated thing about this secondary is the Ravens did lose slot cornerback Tavon Young for the season for the third time in five years. He's had a season ending injury, so not too well, you know, boating on his part, but. Marlon Humphrey then moves from the outside to the slot, which is what the Ravens did last year. Marlon Humphrey is a better outside corner. That's just a fact. But moving him inside, he actually proved that he was honestly a top 10 slot corner as well. So (laughs) with that, with Marcus Peters, who is a ball hawk in his own right and can force a rookie quarterback like Joe Burrow into a few mistakes just by his pure IQ. And then, as you mentioned, the moving on from Earl Thomas. Sean Elliott has actually filled in pretty well. A big, big run-stuffing guy who also has a ton of range, good ball hawking skills. And then Chuck Clark as well, who filled in for Tony Jefferson when he went down last year, took over that strong safety role. The Ravens love to use a lot of different looks in their secondary. And and that kind of translates to the linebacker group as well, moving on to the second level of that defense. Patrick Queen has looked really good. The Chiefs game was not good at all by any stretch of the imagination. He actually got benched by the Ravens in that game because Andy Reid just targeted him. I mean, he's a rookie linebacker in his third game. He's going to get targeted, and I completely understand that game plan. But he has 33 tackles, leads the Ravens right now. He has a sack, seven sack yards, four tackles for loss. The Ravens have a good duo with him and LJ Fort, who was actually a Steelers and Eagles cast off last year, 
who was signed to the Ravens along with current Bengals linebacker Josh Bynes last year. And they lit the world on fire. LJ Fort, through three weeks, was actually the highest rated linebacker by PFF, so take that as you will. But the Ravens, they have a good second half of that defense where they can rely on their secondary if the pass rush isn't there to cover for a little longer than normal. But if Joe Burrow's getting pressured all game long, he's going to have to make a decision as to whether to take a sack or throw that football a little bit rushed into a secondary with ball hawks who can make him pay. Kevin, last thing, and this won't take long at all. You guys have the best, and I say you guys, the Ravens have the best special teamers in the league. Well, you know, Justin Tucker, Sam Cook, is that still the case? Are they still, I, I know Tucker for sure, but, but are they still dominating in that phase of the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. Justin Tucker <laughs> has been phenomenal. He he really never hasn't been phenomenal. Sure. He, he He's a guy who's automatic eight for eight on the year with, with field goals. He, he doesn't miss. He, sorry, he barely misses. I don't want to say never, but Tucker, there was, there was all this day debate about, oh, is it Tucker? Is it Butker after Butker's insane sequence against the Los Angeles Chargers? It's Tucker. And then Sam Cook, a guy who was barely used last year because the Ravens were just scoring so many points, they didn't even need him, <laughs> is definitely a pro bowler still. I would still take him over any punter in the league. Baltimore has been known for their special teams. John Harbaugh, the head coach, was the special teams coordinator for the Eagles before he got hired. So mm-hmm. kind of an unconventional hire there. But Baltimore's special teams unit, of course, still the best in the league, in my opinion. Good stuff there from Kevin O. Stryker from Locked On Ravens. Jake and I are going to be back tomorrow with our official preview. That was our crossover. You get behind enemy lines, but our official preview of Sunday's game. Make sure you subscribe. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, for Jake Lisko, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.